0: Welcome to the Faith at Work Sermon Podcast. I'm Pastor Jim Melvin. I invite you to join me as I look at something that is of value to all of us. And that's how we can let go of our anxieties and worries and find peace in our hearts and minds. I'm going to begin with a reading from Paul's letter to the Philippians where he gives us some helpful hints. Keep in mind, Paul is in prison for preaching the gospel and there's a good chance that he might end up being executed for the offense. He writes, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again I will say rejoice. Let your gentleness be known before everyone. The Lord is near. Do not worry about anything. But in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God which passes all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, beloved, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is pleasing, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence and if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Keep on doing the things that you have learned and received and heard and seen in me. And the God of peace will be with you. Here ends the reading. As I get older, I've noticed that the casual conversations I have with my friends tend to focus on our health, mostly the bad and troubling parts of our health. And it's no secret. We openly joke about it. And then we go ahead and talk about our latest aches, pains, medical test results, surgeries, disease, and the general decline of old age. Inevitably, we get around the stories of friends and families who have succumbed recently to these maladies. And there are getting to be more and more of them. It's really a bummer. The end result of these conversations is not good or healthy, Focusing on what's wrong with our bodies leads to imagining all of the things that possibly can go wrong. You begin to wonder which one of these things is going to get you. I sometimes catch myself lying awake at night, listening to the rhythm of my beating heart in my ears, just hoping that it keeps on ticking. I've had some health scares recently, and I sit anxiously by my computer waiting for the results of important tests to pop up. I guess that's why next to the test results is a button that you can push if you don't want to see the results and avoid the anxiety. Well, what was Paul's secret? How could he so calmly and confidently write to the Philippian congregation while at any minute the executioner might show up outside his cell. Instead of talking about how afraid or worried he is, he wants to share his secret for dealing with worry and anxiety. The first piece of advice that he gives has become one of his most famous quotes. He says, Rejoice in the Lord always. And if you didn't hear me the first time, he repeats, Rejoice. And the key word here is always. Paul says to rejoice always and under all circumstances. You might say that he's saying that to rejoice is a choice. The act precedes the feeling. I once had the opportunity to attend attend an all-day and all-night worship service in Uganda. The service took place in the outskirts of the capital city of Kampala. Although Kampala is a major city, The people of this area had to work hard to scratch out a living. Many people didn't have enough to eat. Drinkable water was scarce. And both petty theft and violent crime were rampant. I saw many children in the dirt beside the road without adequate clothing. Now, despite their circumstances, on Sunday morning... Over 3,000 smartly dressed worshipers, young and old alike, gathered under a sprawling tent to sing, dance, listen to fiery preaching, and share food together that the people had brought with them. It was like the feeding of the 5,000 all over again. There was plenty to go around. Now, when I hear the words rejoice in the Lord always, this is the scene that comes to my mind. These people knew how to rejoice, always. And I know from witnessing this service that the participants were at least relieved of their anxiety and worries at the moment. They were at peace. Even though most of them returned to stressful lives, I would imagine that the positive effects of their rejoicing had some carryover into the week. One thing that was particular about the rejoicing what it was that it was that it was done communally they shared their joy and reinforced one another's joy in 1 corinthians paul says of the communities that follow christ if one member suffers all suffer together if one member is honored all rejoice together with it the effects of suffering are shared and dispersed the effects of rejoicing are magnified. Joy arises from within and isn't determined by external circumstances. Our hearts are full of joy and then we act joyfully. And I suppose that's true to some extent. But maybe the opposite is true. When we act happy on the outside, our joy penetrates our hearts and fills it with joy becomes a self-perpetuating cycle. I'd like you to try a little experiment. Put a smile on your face right now. Use all of those muscles in your face that you can use to smile. Curl your lips upward. And, and as they say, turn that frown upside down. Crinkle the skin at the corner of your eyes. Now, how do you feel? If you're like most people, Your inner state will reflect your outer. It's almost impossible to feel unhappy when we're smiling. Not only that, it will affect the people around you. As the old song goes, when you're smiling, the whole world smiles with you. To be sure, the effects of this forced smile are temporary and superficial. But they illustrate the point that to rejoice is a choice. It may be just what you need to turn things around in a stressful situation, and you may change the trajectory of someone else's mood also. Oh, I left out one important part of what Paul says. He's talking about a particular type of rejoicing. Rejoicing in the Lord. At the center of our rejoicing is the knowledge that we have a loving God who sent us a Savior to grant us eternal life. And no matter what our current circumstances, our salvation is assured. So our rejoicing is not phony, nor is it in vain. Whether we gather by the thousands to celebrate the good news of Christ, or if we rejoice alone in our room, we have something to rejoice. So when you are feeling down, when life's burdens seem too much to go on. Rejoice. Now for a second piece of advice. He said, let your gentleness be known to everyone. I once had a neighbor who was neither kind nor gentle. As a matter of fact, Bob was an old grouch. When he moved in next door, my wife and I took some cookies that she'd made over to him. He opened the door with a frown, and before we could greet him, he said, I'm sorry, I don't do neighbors. He took the cookies and almost slammed the door in our face. He quickly established himself as the neighborhood curmudgeon. He yelled at the neighborhood kids whenever they passed in front of his house. Whenever our dog let out so much as a yip, in the backyard he would yell, shut that thing up. He avoided contact with us when he would get out of his car and dart into his house. Now, I had to feel sorry for this man. His behavior was so far out of the normal that I can only imagine that life had not been kind to him. He lived an angry, lonely existence and there was nothing kind and gentle about him. If there was... He didn't let it be known, made known to anyone else. And I, su- I suspect that he was not in a state of peace. But that was his choice. Whenever he was around, he was followed by a dark cloud of gloom and negativity. Our neighborhood adjusted and eventually we all just learned to ignore him, which is what he wanted. And I have to admit, when the moving van showed up one day and he left just as anonymously as he arrived, we all breathed a sigh of relief. John, our neighbor across the street, was exactly the opposite. If I stepped out of my front yard, I would hear Bruce yell, Hi, Jimmy! And by the way, he's the only one who calls me Jimmy. On Trash Jay, John would always beat me to the punch and wheel my garbage cans in from the curb before I even knew that the trash had been picked up. John and his wife, Jenny through frequent informal neighborhood get-togethers in their backyard. They were definitely the yin to Bob's yang. And through their gentleness and kindness, they spread peace throughout our whole neighborhood. And they lived in peace. Most of us probably lie somewhere in between Bob and John in letting our kindness be known to everyone. But I guess my point is, With self-awareness, we can make an attempt to present our gentle sides to the world. In public life and discourse, in politics and media, there seems no attempt to be gentle. Striking out with aggressiveness and anger is the rule of the day. And that's why we tend to feel anxious instead of at peace. As for us as Christ followers, Christ says that we should live gently in this world. Paul's next clue to finding uh, peace in life is, in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. Let me unpack that a little. Prayer is the easy part. We know what it means to pray. Also, some of us may approach prayer differently and have different understandings about the power of prayer but I have some personal insight on prayer as a source of peace and comfort in my own life. A little over a year ago, I had a serious surgery. It was followed by a two-week hospitalization. Not only was I uncomfortable and in pain, the outcome was uncertain. I was full of anxiety. In the long hours of the night, with IV alarms beeping at my bedside, the anxiety would just build up within me. They tried giving me medication for anxiety, but it just made me hallucinate hallucinate, and made me feel even more anxious. I couldn't read or focus on TV. The only thing that worked to get me through those times and those nights was a constant repetition of the Lord's Prayer. Our Father who art in heaven... Hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, now and forever. Amen. Over and over again, I repeated those words in my mind. I gave not a thought to the meaning of what I was saying, but the very act of praying beat back my fears and negative thoughts and somehow opened up a little channel of hope that flowed from God to my soul. But just as Paul said, keep on rejoicing, I had to keep on praying. But word by word, prayer by prayer, minute by minute, and hour by hour, and day by day, it got me through. But there's more. Paul talks about prayer and supplication. Now, supplication is like prayer on steroids. It literally means to drop to your knees and beg. There are times when we feel totally desperate. Take, for example, when someone we love dies. We know deep in our hearts That there's nothing we can do, nothing anyone can say that's going to ease the pain in the short term. Healing and comfort will likely occur, but they're out of reach in the moment. Reminds me of an old John Denver song called Opposite Tables in which he sings, Father, oh Father, forgive me. My song is a cry of desperation. All the words I hear have lost their meaning. My life is a well of confusion, drowned out by the sound of the lost and lonely. Only the voice inside me speaks your name to me. Now that's a prayer of supplication. Knowing the personal struggles that Denver faced in his life, I can't help but think that these lyrics came from the heart. But even in the depths of desperation, God's voice spoke to him. Even Jesus prayed prayers of desperation. Knowing that he was about to be arrested, Jesus goes to the Garden of Gethsemane with his disciples, where he says to them, Sit here while I pray. He took with him Peter and James and John and began to be distressed and agitated, and he said to them, I am deeply grieved, even to death. Remain here and keep awake. And going a little farther, he threw himself on the ground and prayed that if it were possible, the hour might pass from him. He said, Abba, Father, for you all things are possible. Remove this cup from me. Not what I want, but what you want be done. In his account of the same incident, the Gospel writer Luke says that Jesus' sweat became like great drops of blood falling on the ground. But even in the midst of physical and emotional anguish, through his supplication, he is able to turn himself over to the will of God. Thy will be done. Our supplications, our deep humbling ourselves before God can also serve us in our Garden of Gethsemane moments. And we are certain to face them at some point. Can you see what Paul has done for the Philippians and for us? He's provided us with a toolkit to defeat fear and anxiety. We can rejoice. We can act gently and kindly. We can pray and we can prostrate ourselves before God in supplication. And all of this can be done with thanksgiving for what God has and will do for us. And as Paul says, keep on doing these things that you've learned and received and heard and seen in me, and the God of peace will be with you. And I'll end with that prayer for you today. May the peace of God, which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.